Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a packed show today, so we're going to get right to it, starting with the headlines before we introduce our guest to you. Some amazing, and some would say miraculous, news out of Buffalo. Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin, was released from the hospital. He is now recovering at home. If you don't know the story, go to harbingersdaily.com. Look up the article. Uh, it starts out by saying, glory to God, Damar Hamlin, and just the power of prayer. Um, so look that up at Harbinger's Daily, but he is now home, and uh, after just over a week after he collapsed due to cardiac arrest on the field last week on Monday Night Football. So great story there. Um, also, interesting headline, Kevin Sorbo's Left Behind, uh, Rise of the Antichrist. It's coming out. It takes a new look at end times. And he says the Bible, it predicted all these things. So we're taking a little different angle on this left behind story and make it align with Bible prophecy. Um, also, this is a headline that will contradict the next one seemingly. And we'll talk about that in our second segment today. Good news. The Pentagon finally dropped COVID-19 vaccine mandates for troops. Um, some of them were having major health issues. I don't know what the reasons are, but we'll talk a little bit about that. So that's a good thing. No more forced mandate. But yet, the Biden administration, here's another headline, the Biden administration just extended COVID-19 public health emergency yet again. And so that doesn't seem to go with the other headline where the Pentagon said, all right, no more vaccine mandates for the troops. We will talk about that when we get to the World Health Organization Committee is meeting to push vaccine passports and a lot more, including surrendering control of America's health care and national sovereignty, giving that over to the United Nations, the World Health Organization. So we're going to talk about that very concerning news that's going on now. And Liberty Council has done some write-ups on that if you want to take a look at that. But right now, we've got an in-studio guest. Um, actually, I forgot to tease one other thing. We occasionally get letters from angry listeners, and I want to emphasize the fact that this is not a typical stand-up for the truth listener. She didn't even know the name of the podcast or the program. But she wrote a letter here to the station, and she started off by saying, I'm not sure who did the talk show. But you guys are selling out Jesus as a Republican figure to be followed. You alienate non-Christians from even considering the gospel. You talk about a political Jesus. Now, I know if you've listened for any length of time, you know that's not what we do here. But we have to address that, not in depth, because obviously this person doesn't typically listen to this station. She just randomly came across it. But anyway, our guest today, such an important topic, and uh, we are going to put this on the blog, Damascus Road Project is a faith-based volunteer, 501c3 nonprofit organization. They're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. They are 100% specially trained volunteer operated. And Tara Kozlowski, the outreach director, is right here 
Again, she was with us last year, but we want to update you on some up- upcoming training, an event they had yesterday, and just to, to make you guys more aware of this need in our community and country. So Tara with Damascus Road, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much. It's great to be here again. All right, Mayor, I'm going to just let you uh, start off with the first question. Kick it off for us. You know, Tara, um, someone asked me yesterday, you know, what's what's going on the show uh, tomorrow? And I said, well, we have uh, Tara Koslowski from uh, hum- Damascus Road. It's about human trafficking. And um, they said, what exactly is human trafficking? And this and was someone at church. This was someone at church. And even though, I mean, this corridor, this area here is a, is a tremendous hot spot uh, in the U.S. Uh, for human trafficking. It says in, uh, you tell us that it's the second largest criminal industry in the world. Mm. Um, governed by supply and demand, according to uh, the International Labor Organization, human trafficking generates $150.2 billion in illegal profits every year. Um, I know that I'm probably speaking for a lot of people who are listening who may not even ever give this a thought. Right. Uh, so can, can you just tell us a little bit more, uh, maybe the myths and the facts of, of human trafficking? What exactly is it? Well, that's a kind of a loaded question, (laughs) but it's, it's a, we kind of refer to like an onion with many layers. Uh, it's a problem with many layers to it. And oftentimes the outside layer is addiction when we're working with women in our aftercare. But really a basic definition is the exploitation of a person through forced fraud or coercion for the purpose of commercial sex or forced labor. Mm. So there's, Sex trafficking and then there's labor trafficking. Now, sex trafficking is also labor trafficking, um, but labor trafficking itself can also be, you know, exploiting a migrant worker, taking an advantage, um, having someone work in harsh work conditions, things like that. So at Damascus Road, we mainly focus on working with uh, victims of sex trafficking. We actually have three main things that we focus on. We educate, we locate, and we advocate. So the education piece is doing trainings for the community um, and going into schools and churches and community groups and doing trainings. We call them Human Trafficking Awareness 101. And in those trainings is where we answer a lot of those questions because I know there's so many people, even after I've been doing this actually almost 20 years now working with anti-trafficking, I still have people that come to me with those same questions. What is it? What does it look like? What are some of the red flags to look out for? Who is vulnerable? And we really can answer a lot of those questions. That's what we do in our Awareness 101 training. So um, because you know, we have limited time today, that's just kind of a basic definition of what it is. But I really encourage anyone who's in the area or if even you're in the area, we can do virtual trainings where we, where we can really sink our teeth and talk more about what it looks like in depth. But really, one of the common myths about trafficking that I hear all the time is, especially from parents, you know, I I teach my kids not to talk to strangers. I don't let them (laughs) go places by themselves, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, good. But uh, now trafficking is happening. Mostly the recruitment process is through a bonding process. It's through uh, actually there's a trafficker or a pimp. We use those terms interchangeably who wrote a book from jail. And he talked about how he would just look for a person's greatest need for the person he was trying to groom. What's their greatest need? What is their longing? And I'll just pretend to be that gain their trust. And then eventually uh, force them into forced prostitution or commercial sexual exploitation, which that just includes anything else that could be 
exploiting a person for money, like working, forcing someone to work in a strip club or work in pornography or escorting. Um, it encompasses all of those things, too. So it's more of a relationship scenario. And that's why a lot of victims, most of them, they won't self-identify. They don't usually come out and say, oh, yes, that happened to me. That's I'm a victim because their trafficker did such a good job of grooming mm. and manipulating them to think, no, this is my boyfriend. This is, you know, my my business partner. We're in this mm. business together. And they really don't understand that his whole plan. And I use that term his because Traffickers are predominantly male, but they can be female as well. In fact, we've seen many cases now increasing of familial trafficking where parents, a mother or a father, are actually trafficking their own child for a lot of times for drugs or just survival. Okay, you really uh, got into a lot there. And I want to ask you about something that I think a lot of people, we're in new territory, new ground here since the Internet. Uh, 50 yeah. years ago, you know, there was prostitution uh, and there was human trafficking, slavery, things like that. But it didn't affect the average, maybe small town, middle class family. But due to the access of the Internet and people approaching others as anonymous on, you say, uh, social media and interactive gaming, that is one of the draws. So we're going to get to that in a minute because that's very important. But I want to mention the event you had yesterday and let you share that amazing story that you say you were shocked to see this happen. Now, tell us about the event. You were raising awareness down in Oshkosh. We mentioned it on uh, Monday, Monday or Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday, Stand Up for the mm-hmm. Truth. Yeah. Every year, January 11th is National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And the month of January, entire month, is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. But yes. since 2009... We have had people come together. It just started with a few people from my church and Congress declared that day starting in 2009 as Human Trafficking Awareness Day. So we started a rally called Stop the Traffic, Make Some Noise, just to hold signs, get people to honk, raise awareness about human trafficking in our community. And that's really how that was uh, where Damascus Road, that was one of our first activities that we did. Um, and it's been going on now for 13 years. We have local people just come and volunteer. And our goal is to train other communities on how to do it too. So in the past, we've had other, we've had some uh, churches in Appleton and Green Bay do it. So that's something that we can always train people how to do that in their community. Um, and every year it changes. Some years I have honestly asked myself, what difference does a sign make? You know, we go out there for two hours. It's from 11 to 1. Are we really making a difference? Sometimes it's very cold. Thankfully, yesterday it was icy in the morning, but it was nice in the afternoon. But we never know what God is going to do. Sometimes we have news reporters. Sometimes we don't. Yesterday we had less media. But in the past we've had survivors come and say, can I hold a sign too? And it's a way for them wow. to see that their community, especially Men, we had men come out to that. There's not always as many opportunities for men Mm -hmm. to volunteer because, you know, working one-on-one with a woman, they wouldn't be able to work one-on-one with a survivor. Mm -hmm. But we want to create ways for them to get involved because it's important for our ladies that we work with at Damascus Road to see men and their community behind them. And the police, we had the police department in Oshkosh brought their community outreach vehicle. It's always out there. But every year it's always different. So we've had survivors come and this year was very different. It was really great. We had lots of people come out to hold signs. But I just got, as we just got done saying, most victims don't Mm self-identify. But we actually had, during the course of that day, someone who approached us who was a victim who said, that happened to her. She has, she had um, a couple little kids and just needed some help. And 
And that's very rare. And if we had normally our office isn't open on a Wednesday. And if we hadn't been there on that day, I don't know if she would have had the courage to come back. Um, we also mm-hmm. had another person um, reach out to us yesterday, too, because of the rally and say that was part of my past. And, wow. you know, it's just an ongoing, even for women who get out of that life, who get out of their trafficking situation, their life of recovery. It's an it's a lifelong process mm-hmm. because sometimes things trigger back to those memories and it just comes up. In the future. So we, that's why at Damascus Road, we are faith based. We really feel like that's an important part mm-hmm. of the aftercare process in a yeah. person's healing is a relationship with Christ. Um, we don't require that of anybody coming to us for assistance. Um, in our aftercare, we work with women who are 18 and older in um, the aftercare process. But if we were, uh, come across a male or a minor, we partner with um, other agencies and law enforcement in our community to get them the assistance they need. Um, but in our aftercare, we work with women who are 18 or older. We connect them with services. Um, we also go and reach out to women in the jail who might be there on other related charges but have trafficking as part of their past. And we offer to connect them to services that are in the community. A lot of women, they won't, they fear leaving their trafficker because he's told them nobody cares about you. Nobody's going to love you. Who's going to provide for and you? And you'll like never I survive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for them, the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. is greater than the fear that they've learned to cope with. And oftentimes coping in that situation means substance abuse and, and using substances as a way to cope. So that's why we call it the onion. There's so many things to work through before we can really focus on even the trauma and their okay. their trauma past. All right, I'm going to toss the next question to Mary, but first I'm going to mention the training coming up on January 26th in Oshkosh at the Damascus Road office. It is Human Trafficking Awareness 101. Community training, you can get more information on their website, which is damascusroadproject.org, damascusroadproject.org, and they can bring the training to your church or business Mm -hmm. or school, or you can do it virtually. We've got to plug that several times here this morning. Mayor? Uh, I I like what you say here because some of my questions had to do with where are these people in our community, um, and it's different nationally than it is internationally, I presume. But you say trafficking is an issue that is hidden in plain sight. And I think part of the evil of all this is one of the statistics that says up to 95% were already sexually assaulted as children. Mm. It's estimated that between 60 and 86% of domestic trafficking victims have been in foster care. I mean, mm, so sure. that really is proof that these people know exactly what they're shooting for and they take advantage of um, people that are already are so emotionally and mentally at a disadvantage. Vulnerable. How, very, very vulnerable. Yeah. And so um, is there some way to actually pull these people out of that whole mindset that they are going to be victims, always going to be victims? I mean, we give them the gospel, I'm sure that Jesus can heal anything like that. But you know, is, is it, is it, um, is it, I don't want to say possible. Of course it's possible, but what are some of the ways that, that you can help these people see that they are not victims, even though they've been victims? You know what I'm saying? Even though they've been victims their whole lives, mm-hmm. how do you help them come out of that to, so that they can be protected for, you know, going forward after they're involved here? Well, as we work with women in aftercare, we first offer them, we offer them a exodus bag, as we call it. It's filled with hygiene products and a journal and personal care items. We give every woman who comes to our office a fleece blanket made by volunteers. And we do that just to show them that we're a place that's welcoming and that we care for them. A lot of the women that come to us when we first 
meet them, maybe just out of their situation, or maybe it's been a while, but we want them to know that they can trust us. But they oftentimes, it takes a while to develop mm-hmm. a relationship with them because now that that's happened to them, that someone, that the trafficker had gained their trust and then exploited them, yep. they have difficulty going to counseling mm-hmm. because they don't trust and talking through their trauma. It can be re-traumatizing. Of course, it's mm-hmm. necessary for healing. Um, but for us, that's why it's important to build that relationship mm-hmm. with them. And then we have survivor stories um, at our office of women who were most of them believers who now have ministries. And they mm-hmm. that's very helpful to them to see there. Are, it is possible to, uh, you know, leave that situation and now have a life that is not just defined by their past. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people ask us when we do presentations or for interviews, can I talk to a survivor? And a lot of times that can be very re-exploiting for someone because mm-hmm. what we're saying then is we only want to know you for your story and your past. Okay. And we want them to believe that and know that God has a future for them. In fact, that's why we are called Damascus Road. People do often ask us, and we want people to ask us, what does our name mean? And in the Bible, if you're not familiar with it, um, Saul was on the road to Damascus, mm-hmm. and he was persecuting Christians. And with an encounter with God, his life was changed, and then his name was changed. So we want our ladies to know, when you have an encounter with God, you can your life can change. Mm. And so we believe that there is hope and healing then for, for women, even though it seem, may good. seem impossible mm-hmm. to them at the time mm-hmm. with the trauma that they've been That's through. That's good to know. That's good. Um, let's go now to parents of young children on social media, doing the interactive gaming, uh, playing with people that are not in their household, that are just out there somewhere in the country that have, what do you call it, an avatar? They don't have their picture. You don't know who mm-hmm. they are personally. That, you say, is how traffickers use, they, they often use tools like social media and interactive gaming to develop relationships online, in this case, and gain the trust of victims before they draw them in. Please explain the cautions to parents and how this is so important to talk about. It's so important. In fact, if you have young people in your life, uh, bring them to a training or schedule mm. a training. We usually say it's uh, appropriate for ages 11 and up. You can start the conversation earlier, too, just in different ways. But it's important because, first of all, that's the age group that traffickers are targeting. 12 to 14 years old is the average age of entry into forced prostitution because they're meeting the demand. The demand is for younger, so that's what they're going to look for, but not limited to. We've worked with victims that are all the way up to the age of 60 and beyond. So it could happen at any age, but we Mm. know that traffickers are targeting younger people and Nowadays, you don't really, uh, you know, most of us that kind of idea of stranger danger, most people don't really engage with strangers in their life on a daily basis. But if we're online all the time, most are. people are on social media, yep. they're using their apps all the time. And apps can be fun and exciting and great. But there's I think it's so important for parents when they allow their children to use Internet, uh, you know, interactive gaming where they can have conversations with strangers that they talk to them about the dangers of interacting with people they don't know. And so we cover that in our training. So uh, please schedule a training or come bring your kids to one of our trainings, because I know it's a difficult topic to talk about coming from a parent mm-hmm. to a kid. Yeah. And so maybe yeah. if they bring them to our training, it's someone else mm-hmm. saying right. that. But it is really especially dangerous. If we think about it, when we, uh, when somebody turns 16 and they want a car, you don't just say, here you go. They have to go through classroom training and behind the wheel training of how to operate this new responsibility safely. And I think, mm. you know, social media can, 
uh, a computer, personal mobile device, we need to make sure that kids are especially aware of those dangers. In fact, in our training, we actually cover a scenario of two women that we met who were talking to someone on an app where they thought that they could be anonymous and they were, it was people, you could meet people within a 50 mile radius and they thought, well, this is harmless, no big deal. I'm just having a conversation. But the person they were talking to would start to talk about sexual things. They didn't feel comfortable with that. And so one woman that we met and worked with, she contacted us when she started feeling uncomfortable and we were able to get her help. But months later we encountered another victim and we started noticing it was a similar scenario, started using the same app, talking to this person online. And unfortunately, she met up with this, this guy who was talking to her and he um, was abusing her and, for, and exploiting her. Mm. And eventually she she was able to, to she lived at home. She was able to get away from him, but he would try to get her to come back. And eventually she did go back to him. And unfortunately, we met her in a different scenario where she had been just in the hospital because he had badly beaten her. And what we found out later is that both of these girls were talking to the same person. It was a man from Milwaukee who was recruiting girls to sell them at the Super Bowl. So he was actually convicted. Thankfully, that doesn't always happen where there's a conviction. But he got 63 years in prison for recruiting Young victims into trafficking. Oh, praise God for that. And you have worked many Super Bowls, and there's a Super Bowl coming up yeah. in less than a month. But I do want to mention one of the stats that uh, this is just amazing. Human trafficking generates $150 billion in profits each year. That, that uh, That's sickening yeah. because it is the second largest criminal industry in the world, and you, it says governed by supply and demand. Yeah. Um and we understand that because of pornography, because of evil, the darkness of the world. Mayor, I think you wanted to ask about the jail outreach. Yes, uh, I, I was reading um, about your jail outreach uh, pilot, jail outreach program in the Winnebago County Jail. Um, and so there's a connection between the justice system and trafficking. I mean, in, in my mind, I've always seen it as basically a victim you know, scenario here, but you were explaining to us uh, beforehand how it works that there needs to be a jail outreach, and some of these victims are also in prison. What, what, uh, explain to us how they are in prison, what, what is going on in their life, as if this isn't enough that they've been trafficked, what else is going on in mm-hmm. their lives legally? That's a great question. I mean, like I said, with the onion, when we think about it as a, a many layers, oftentimes that outside layer is um, substance abuse and addiction. So if someone is struggling with that, perhaps they've been recruited into trafficking by maybe the person who was their drug dealer might have recruited them and forced them into sexual exploitation in exchange um, for their drug abuse. And a lot of times... Um, victims who are involved with um, substance abuse, they maybe had that uh, as part of their life from a young age, whether they had parents who were addicted or, or a, a cousin or a friend who, who got them involved in that, and now they have this addiction. And so with that onion, uh, as the many layers, like I was saying, addiction can also be a part of that, but there's other things that can take place that are considered crimes, like maybe shoplifting or, or parole. Many of our women mm. that we've worked with, they've been in jail many different times in and out of jail because they're arrested on other related charges. Mm. So if they're not brought uh, to jail or recovered through a sting done by police where they... Um, 
if, if the police are doing a sting operation and they recover a victim, they can contact a lo- local agency like us and get services for this person. Hmm. But if they're brought to the jail, if they're picked up on other charges that are related to their trafficking scenario, but the police don't know that that's a part of their history, mm-hmm. they don't get help for that. Mm. So we actually have a poster up in the Winnebago and Outagamie County jails talking about okay. asking some questions. Has this? Have you ever done this? Is this a part of your story? Mm-hmm. And many of the ladies that we work with don't even realize because they think that their trafficker was their boyfriend or their business partner. They don't realize that they think they were going along willingly, but they didn't realize that they were actually brainwashed and manipulated and groomed into doing that. They didn't even know that what happened to them actually had a name. And so we have volunteers that go and meet with them and offer them resources. Once they get out of jail, we send, um, we send encouragement cards to women who have to serve longer prison sentences. And we also have a prayer ministry. So that's one of the things that we like to share that's a yes. great thing that people can do. I always like to leave people with what's something that you can do. So we have a prayer ministry called the Scarlet Cord, and anybody can do it. You can contact us through our website if you're interested, but we match you up with, we give you um, the initials of a person that we are working with, either at our jail outreach or who comes to our office regularly for support services, and just a little blurb about them and what you can pray for. And that's um, obviously huge because... As a ministry, we need that prayer foundation. None of these mm-hmm. women can be going through their recover- mm-hmm. recovery wow. process successfully without the ba- that prayer backing. I want to encourage you guys to get a hold of Tara. And actually, they've got a great Facebook page, and you need to go over there if you can't do anything else but pray and like a page. If you're on social mm-hmm. media on Facebook, go to Damascus Road Project. Look it up in your search on Facebook, or you can go to their website, DamascusRoadProject.org. Five minutes left already. Um, one thing I have a hard time understanding, uh, victims are often advertised on sex for sale websites. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a business, you know, and this is the, the ugly part of it. But um, what can you tell us about just do we ever, the average person, would we ever see that anywhere? Well, the average person, probably not. But people who are uh, looking to purchase sex, someone for sex, they know where to find these websites. So if they're looking for it, they're going to know where to go. It is interesting because this report that's put out by the state of Wisconsin on trafficking, it's called Hidden in Plain Sight. So we know all of these things are going on around us. But if you don't know what to look Mm. for, you don't know that they're happening. But they're happening and people are being recruited online and being sold online on sex for sale websites. One of them in the past looked a lot like Craigslist where you could buy and sell other things too, but mm-hmm. they had an escorting mm-hmm. section mm-hmm. that Escort looked service. like right. people advertising themselves as a date. Um, but it was uh, many times a front for prostitution. And actually mm-hmm. years ago they were shut down because they were allowing minors to be advertised on their website. So that one was shut down. That was called Backpage. But we know that even though that one was shut down, there are still many that operate uh, in that same way. And the Super Bowl is coming up. People travel from all over the world, across the country. They end up here. And how do they find out about where to get sex if they wanted to do this at a Super Bowl? It's got to be in plain sight. And you've done outreaches. Can you give us just a minute or two on that? Yeah, the, I mean, the Super Bowl is coming up and we all have our parties and we enjoy, you know, watching the game, but we don't realize that there is a whole nother world going mm-hmm. on during that game. And Every anywhere there is, if we know this is a business governed by supply and demand, anywhere that 
there is going to be profitable. Any tourist mm-hmm. event where people are coming and money to take pimps with their, their victims to these locations. So in the past, I've gone and done outreaches at Super Bowls, taking trainings to hotels and gas stations, teaching them how to recognize signs that someone might need help and giving them the trafficking number so they can call and get help for anyone who's there. We would go and do, um, take posters of missing kids. Because we know sometimes if, if someone had been trafficked, if a child had been maybe reported as missing and they had been trafficked and taken to the Super Bowl, they might show up in that area. And people, we wanted to empower the local um, businesses there. You can see something and say something and actually make a difference in someone's life. And one year we actually were, I mean, many years, we had many recoveries every year Excellent. that we went. Excellent. Well, thank wow. you guys for all that you do. Yeah. Uh, we've just gone through so much information, guys, and we're going to have Tara on again with us. Uh, because this is hard to take in. It's hard mm-hmm. to just if you're a Christian and you're maybe a little naive, but I always expect mm-hmm. the best out of people. You're shocked by some of this mm-hmm. evil. And you will have a training on January 26th in Oshkosh at the Damascus Road office. It's Human Trafficking Awareness 101. The best way, go to your website or Facebook page to... Find out. Yeah, the, we always post our upcoming events on Facebook, especially. But um, if you want to, we have a spot to contact us on our website as well. If you want more information or let us know you're coming to the training, it's we do it from six to eight p.m. and our office is located at four hundred four North Main Street mm-hmm. in Oshkosh. But like I said, you know, we can always take that training to your uh, town or city or virtually if you are across the country. Church, yes. Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much, yes. Tara. It, it just goes by so fast. But I love the quote you have on your Facebook page. You may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. Mm -hmm. That was a quote by William Wilberforce, who was really one of the ones that was against slavery and actually fought to abolish slavery. But, uh, guys, thank you, guys, just for listening, for taking this in and understanding this is a problem whether it affects you directly or not, if you love your neighbor, you will be concerned about what's happening right under your nose mm-hmm. in your community, wherever you live in the country. So let's start raising awareness about this. DamascusRoadProject.org is one way we can get either get the information out or perhaps pray and get involved. Tara, thank you. When we come back, the sex trafficking secrets after that. Biden, Bill Gates, and the U.N.'s dangerous declaration next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Oh, guys, what a blessing to be able to Mm -hmm. raise some awareness about this evil in our world, in our culture, in our communities. By the way, the... um, the freeways, 90 and 94, is it, where they intersect mm-hmm. as one of the hot spots mm-hmm. for uh, human trafficking yes. because it's right off an interstate. Yep. And then, of course, 41 goes all the way from Milwaukee to Osh- Fond du Lac, Oshkosh, Appleton, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So there have been hotels off of 41 that mm-hmm. have even been uh, places where – yeah, I guess you know pimps and recruiters, yes, traffickers. Chicago to Minneapolis is the yeah. n- one of the number one hotspots in the country. Yep. So let's just keep this, uh, you know, on the radar mm-hmm. here. So um, before we get to the World Health Organization, what what Biden is doing, what Bill Gates has been advocating, um, let's talk briefly about a letter that came in based on our program with Chris Quintana a week ago, and. It's you Now, this was someone we believe, we, we met as a staff, and Mary uh, listened to the program again, the podcast, said, what did we say that was offensive? We talked about the Abraham Accords, 
in, in this podcast with Chris Quintana. We talked about Benjamin Netanyahu. We talked about Bible prophecy. But in the second half, we talked about the biblical worldview declining, even among pastors and church leaders in America. This is based on Barna research. So we think we were talking a little bit about this and what some might consider, quote, air quotes, political issues rather than moral or biblical issues. So this person randomly came across our radio station and our podcast a week ago. And, of course, you know there's no accident. Sometimes people need to get angry before they can repent or before they can come to the Lord or come to the truth. But she started off her letter that she mailed to the station by saying, I'm not sure who did the talk show <laughs> uh, between 9 and 10 Central, January 6th, but it was extremely offensive to many Christians. Stop. She is speaking for many Christians now. Now, who? Who's offended by this? It would be the Christian left or someone that doesn't have a biblical worldview. But she says it alienated many non-Christians. Now she's speaking for non-Christians from even considering the gospel. So because of what we were saying, biblical truth, prophecy, the declining worldview, biblical worldview in America and in our churches, we were alienating non-Christians. So, Mayor, let's just start with these points. And she also said... She accused us selling out Jesus as a Republican figure to be followed. I don't know where she got that, mm-hmm. but I'm sure she listened for five minutes and took something out of context. What do you yeah. think? Well, and she says it goes beyond conservative values into extreme political views. Extreme. So anything that if you're is, pro-life, that's extreme. That's extreme. Um, and you hit it on the head. You said it has to do with a worldview. And let's be honest. I mean, the the worldviews are so different in this particular day and age between the left and the right. Yes. Um, the left has openly come out as opposed to everything that's important to believers. Everything that the Bible teaches about defending the defenseless, supporting families, pro-life, marriage. Uh, all the things and and this is all in the Bible and so yes. this is this is our hope only is to take what's in the scriptures yes. and then uh, issues that are important to believers uh, we ha- like what we just had the first half of the of the program and to make people aware of what's going on out there and so the fact that it's extreme says an awful lot but again um, the politic aspect of it we are not remaking Jesus into a conservative figurehead um, that is so far removed from who yeah. we are. Yeah, this is a biblical, biblically-based worldview issue mm-hmm. podcast, and we try to look through the lens of Scripture at every issue in society and in the church. And if you're not used to that, you're going to think we're being, quote, political. When we, for example, when we talk about Genesis one twenty-seven, and God made them male mm-hmm. and female, that's a creation issue, that's a God issue, that's a biblical worldview issue, and yet people would say it's political because you're not loving them and affirming them to be whatever sex they want to be or they, they identify as. So let's just say uh, this person is said accused us of, uh, these are the words of the Christian right, This you broadcasting and promoting this type of political idea of what Jesus would want. Well, we know, Jesus taught, I mean, just the Sermon on the Mount and through the Gospels, we know what Jesus would want. But they often take, let's just, let's just take care of the orphans and the widow. They stop there. They don't talk about destroying human life in mother's wombs. They don't talk about the sin of sexual immorality, whether that be adultery, mm-hmm. homosexuality, sex trafficking. There's so many. So we understand she fell, came across this podcast. I'm not going to give her name. But um, please pray for this woman that wrote the letter to the station because in God's kingdom and economy, it, it's, there's no quinky dinks. It's no mistake that she happened to probably, she was probably looking for K-Love 
if she listens to Christian radio, if, but she was scanning through the dial and came across us on the radio, not online, and she mm-hmm. found, heard words of the podcast and she was offended. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that, that offense will drive her deeper into the things of God and the Bible. Right. And, and, uh, perhaps there's a social justice emphasis in her life, that sort of thing, which is, and which is completely out of balance when it comes to the gospel. And yes. we come against that here on the program as well. So, um, uh, Lord bless her, and yeah. and as she continues to seek the truth, hopefully, um, through the program. Okay, Mayor. Next topic. Uh, this declaration is dangerous, says Matt Staver in the Liberty Council. Um, it's a, they say one man stands to gain a massive amount of power from Joe Biden's plan to give the United Nations, World Health Organization, more control over America. And that's billionaire and vaccine promoter Bill Gates. Already, the WHO is beholden to Gates, who, by the way, actively and openly has advocated for reducing the world population. Mm -hmm. Gates has given, um, where did I read that? I think it's $750 million. $750 million. In a short period of time to the, the WHO and its various uh, That's right. ideologies. And $250 million to get Biden elected, I believe. But let, mm-hmm. let's go mm-hmm. over to this great bullet-pointed informative uh, piece from the Liberty Council. WHO, and that is the World Health Organization Committee, meets to push vaccine passports and more. Uh, Mayor, I'll let you kick okay. it off. Okay. Um, right now, this particular week, there is a um, Health Regulation Review Committee. International Health Regulations Review Committee. They are meeting right now in secret um, to finalize the proposed amendments to the international health regulations that would hand ultimate control of America's health care, America's health care, mm-hmm. and national sovereignty over to the WHO. They're meeting right now. What happened was last March they decided that it was very important to take control of world health because oh, we had a pandemic and there's going to be many more, obviously, uh, contrived or otherwise. So um, they, they've been thinking about this, hammering this out, this committee, and the plan is to present uh, amendments to an alre- a treaty that's already in place. Uh, so any nation that has already ratified their control over our health, um, this still stands. They are still with the program. And so this committee is going to ratify. Uh, they have to bring their... Um, recommendations uh, to the WHO, and so that in May, when they have their 76th annual CONFAB, they can ratify this. And what is in this? It's just mind-boggling. It says, oh, so I'll just read a couple of the articles here of things that they are going to implement for our world. Uh, Number one, change the WHO from an advisory organization that makes recommendations to a governing body. Big difference. Big difference. Whose proclamations would be legally binding. Again, if a country has adopted these treaties already, they're in. uh, Number three, to seek to remove respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. They're going to take that completely out of the original treaty. They want to give the WHO the authority to require medical exams, proof of treatment, whatever they say that should be, proof of vaccine, implement uh, global contact tracing, quarantining, and treatment. Um, And then the big big kahuna here is to institute a system of digital or paper global health vaccine passports. They're saying it's just for international travel, but if you believe that it's going to stay there, 
I can't help you with that. But the globalists are out in force right now. Mm-hmm. It's the first of the year. We had the G20, which had a similar um, thing passed that Biden signed on. We have Davos next week. It's a globalist heyday. Okay, the G20 that Mayor just mentioned, uh, the, the Bali leader's mm-hmm. declaration included a section that talks about facilitating seamless international travel. It acknowledged the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods, which includes vaccine passports. Now, let's go back a little bit. These amendments that we're talking about, um, they would expand the scope of the IHR to control public health globally. Mm-hmm. So, well, wait a minute. They're, you're saying, well, okay, well, all right. The, we're, we'll get into these articles, the specifics here, Article uh, 1, 3, 13, 18, and more, 44. How could they come to be adopted? Well, a simple majority mm-hmm. of the 194 member nations. So this is how it could come to be adopted, just by a majority, simple majority. Um, and this is why, I mean, America, I wish we would have, if, if we, we ever got involved with the United Nations, and the WHO. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have gotten out years mm-hmm. ago. And President Trump tried, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when he was in office. What yep. did he do? He, well, he they, he withdrew. We were we were way behind on our dues to the UN. <laughs> and he said, "We're not paying that. We're not we're not writing them a check." Uh, and then the WHO, we actually uh, disengaged from the WHO. And then yeah. as soon as Biden got in, what of did he course. do? He you know because of it just really depends on who's in power. Whether we're being sold to the lowest bitter, it seems to me. Okay, so Mayor, let's go through a couple of these articles. Um, you already mentioned they're going their, their current position is an advisory organization, the WHO, the mm-hmm. World Health Organization, and they're recommending it uh, changing into a governing body, then whose proclamations would be legally binding. Yep. Yes, that's a huge important distinction to make. Article thirteen talks about giving the director of the WHO one man. Control over the means of production through an allocation plan for health products. That's listen to this. The, the wording to require developed states parties to supply pandemic response products as directed. Let's just talk about what this means, Mayor. Yeah. So it required developed states. That's nations. To supply what pandemic response products? What would that be? Masks, vaccines, yeah. pandemic response products, yeah. um, hospital equipment, whatever they determine. And you would have to supply this if you're just directed to do this by the WHO, the, the man, the director at the WHO. This is just one article here, right? Right, and also uh, 44 says redirect unspecified billions, unspecified billions, billions uh, lots of, of zeros, yeah. uh, uh, to the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex without accountability. Uh, Let's go back to, wow. there's a bunch of these articles in a row, mm-hmm. 18, 23, 24, 27, 28, 31, 35, and 36, and 44, talk about instituting a system of a digital or paper Global health vaccine passport. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one mention as a possibility, something down the road. No, friends, this is what they're working on now. Mm-hmm. So let's continue here. Um, article 45 
you want privacy. It would allow the disclosure of personal health data where anybody could access that, mm -hmm. anybody that wanted to, and the government or people that you don't want. It's none of their business. How about other than your doctor and yourself? How about expanding the World Health Organization's capacity to censor what they consider to be misinformation and disinformation? We've we've played this game before, Mayor. Yeah. We've gone through this on social media. Yeah. We've gone through this with big tech, the one-party big tech media conglomerate with the media in America and social media giants. We've gone through what they were determining. They were the gods determining what was information, what was misinformation, and it often depended on, it drew the line on your worldview. It was a worldview issue right. oftentimes. Right. Right? Go ahead. Well, and, um, of course, they say censor right there. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> talk about hidden in plain sight. We, we know so much. I mean, it's like God is giving us all these bullet points to say, it's here, it's here, whatever, you know, prophetically speaking, this is phenomenal. Uh, then there's an annex, whatever that is, uh, annex number 10. Create an obligation to build, provide, and maintain IHR, this is the uh, International Health Regulation, to maintain IHR infrastructure at points of entry. Um, I don't know what that means. I know it's not good. Um, and I know there's just a lot more enslavement of well, the human race. The first three words... Create an obligation. So you're going to make these member nations mm -hmm. or states, they're going to be obligated. Yes. It's going to be enforced. This is something that is going to be demanded from these member nations. And again, how does this come uh, become adopted? A simple majority of right. the 194 member nations. Right. They'll vote on this, and that's how it will, it will go to proposed amend from proposed amendments to adopted into uh, this is what they're going to do. So... Before we run out of time, we got to get to. I want to get to Matt Staver's quote, uh, Liberty Council Matt Staver, and then we're going to talk about vaccine passports briefly. Uh, he said, "America's sovereignty is not for sale." And by the way, you can go to lc.org, Liberty Council. Please uh, keep up with them. He said, "America's sovereignty is not for sale. Digital health or vaccine passports, along with tracking and tracing apps." present a serious threat to freedom. Vaccine passports and tracking apps are about collecting data and control. And friends, we've said this for years. Um, well, almost BC, we were saying this before COVID. We were saying this is about control. Mm -hmm. He also said COVID has been used to advance this dangerous threat to freedom. We must never accept vaccine passports or tracking apps as the new normal. The implications for freedom are significant. America should not be involved in such an evil organization as the World Health Organization. And so we know the worldview issue again comes in. Biden signed us right back up yeah. again with the WHO. Yes, and uh, the G20 met in November. And so we this is a, a, an extra backup account if they need it. Because in 2022, uh, like I said, November... The G20 voted on the same thing. They signed a declaration which states that they agree to adopt vaccine passports to facilitate all international travel. Uh, and the current, here it is, the current membership of the G20 accounts for more than 66% of the world's population. So they already have a majority on that. Um, 
And I think I think people might be saying, well, we have a constitution. We're a sovereign nation. Um, we have a Supreme Court. How in the world can they slide this world government in the back door? Well, an international treaty is cannot be legal in this country mm-hmm. if it uh, if it goes against our constitution. They can't. An international treaty can't take away our gun rights. An international treaty cannot keep us from assembling. At least at this point, the Supreme mm-hmm. Court can shoot it down. So there is a little bitty window of legality in this country to keep this from <laughs> being immediately law. But I'm talking a little bitty yep, porthole yep. because Thank of a, our current administration. Thank you for in, in, injecting some informed optimism <laughs> <laughs> into this. Is that mayor. what that was? Yes, Mayor. Oh, uh, man. Let's go. Let's go back to Bill Gates mm-hmm. briefly. Uh, we've quoted him many times, um, and those who would advocate for population control. We've quoted the Yuval Hararis mm-hmm. that would say human beings are just hackable animals. But And the Margaret Sangers of the world. We've talked extensively about the danger of uh, socialist, eugenicist, atheist, racist Margaret Sanger. Bill Gates is the largest non-government funder of WHO. The, and as we mentioned earlier, I want to make sure you, you, we just didn't skim over this. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation poured $750 million into the Global Health Organization. Joe Biden put America back under the New World Order regime, the WHO. And let's just mention who, what we've never talked about, really. Who was Bill Gates' dad? Well, yes. William Gates Sr. sat on the board of, ready, Planned Parenthood. It's all coming together now, Mayor. We're connecting the dots. Well, yeah, but Snopes says that never happened. Well, like... <laughs> like That's disinformation, but it's uh, not. Let's talk about worldview. It's view. not disinformation. Worldview. Uh, Planned Parenthood's eugenicist founder, Margaret Sanger, uh, believed in... She coined the term birth control. She believed in population control in eliminating the... Uh, what she called the Negro race mm-hmm. at one point. She put her first clinic in Harlem. Um, black uh, inner city part of, of New York. Gates believes that to have true global health, world population must be significantly reduced. That's what Bill Gates believes. Now, in a 2010 TED Talk on climate change, he said the world, that this was 12, 13 years ago. He said, Gates, the world today has 6.8 million people. Billion, I'm sorry, 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, insert abortion there, we could lower that. Lower what? Lower what? Well, population. By perhaps 10 to 15 percent. This was 10, uh, 12, 13 years ago. All right. So Gates, now he's wanting to vaccinate to reduce the number of climate polluters, meaning people. And aside from abortion, uh, this Liberty Council article says, I will leave it for you to conclude how he plans to do this. Oh, I, I want to really sneak in this quote here, David. Sneak? Um, sneak. Um, tech entre- entrepreneur Dr. Naomi Wolf said this, I can't say this forcefully enough. This is literally the end of human liberty in the West if this unfolds. Vaccine passport sounds like a fine thing if you don't understand what these platforms can do. Mm. I'm the CEO of a tech company. I understand what this platform does. It's not about the virus. It's about your data. 
and you will have no choice about being part of the system. And then she says, it is absolutely so much more than a vaccine pass. I mm. cannot stress enough. It has the power to turn off your life or turn on your life to let you engage in civil society or be marginalized. It is catastrophic. Mm. You can get information on all of this online now. It's coming out. Um, you'll have to look for it because Joe Biden and Bill Gates and their ilk are hoping you will not notice uh, attempts to put America and the world under the control of the United Nations WHO, World Health Organization. Uh, um, I want to mention one more thing in the article about vaccine passports. Now, they can be on paper or mm-hmm. they can be digital code mm-hmm. or an app that records and displays your health information. Um, digital health or vaccine passports display a scannable code similar to an airline boarding pass and tracking and tracing apps monitor the user's movement and interactions mm-hmm. with other people. That's right. Control. Do you think this is just about health? No, friends. We've got to Absolutely stop not. being naive. We've got to understand the times and the evil. Again, this theme is, keeps coming up, hiding in plain mm-hmm. sight. Um, yes. They're openly saying this. They've been talking about this for many years. So the apps will use will issue a warning if users move outside of a quarantine mm-hmm. zone. Remember the 15-minute cities we talked about? It? We're coming back to that again now, Mayor. Yeah. The hyper-progressive climate change activists, 15 cities, they're, 15 minute cities are trying to get everything the, a person will need within 15 minutes. So you, you will either be able to walk or ride your bike. You will not need a car. You know, no more carbon emissions, right? Mm-hmm. So they want to develop these and it's yep. pie in yep. the sky. And it's all your digital ID. This all comes down to having a universal global ID. So, Mayor, we've, we've did a good job, I believe, in just trying to get through the bullet points mm-hmm. of this without getting into the weeds. And mm-hmm. friends, I know this podcast was a heavy one today, both yeah. topics. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a heavy one today, but we've just got two minutes left. Let's connect this to Bible prophecy. Mm-hmm. Those who have been students of the Word of God and the Bible were not shaken by no, this, no, right? Not, not Just surprised. give a little bit of encouragement, yeah. Mary. Yeah, we're not surprised. We're not shaken. I mean, I've been studying prophecy for 40 years, is, and is I I have been looking for this stuff not that old. for so long. I'm doing a prophecy update on the 22nd at Calvary Chapel about this global universal Good. idea and how this all is connected and what's ahead. And it's no time to be fearful. It's mm. a time to look up. Amen. Our redemption draws nigh. And God is making it clear to us how late it is so that mm. we can do what? We can and share these things with people. Um, make sure your kids know. Make sure you're walking with the Lord and your priorities are straight. And and God is on the throne. This mm. is going Amen. to happen. Amen. Yes. So uh, be in prayer. Yeah. Friends. Be in prayer. I mean, absolutely. Remember, you can always stand on the Word of God. Um, things are going on around us that we may be surprised by seeing in our lifetime, mm-hmm, right. but it's not surprising in terms of the direction of our country right. or what's in Scripture and Bible prophecy. This picture. is not surprising. Big, if you read picture. Revelation, understand. 50 years ago, this any talk about the mark of the beast would have been like people's imaginations like they, yeah. you can't grasp it. Yeah. But now when you're seeing these codes from the scanner codes in the grocery store to mm-hmm. what people can get like a chip implanted in your wrist or mm-hmm. you know tattoos, now we're kind of understanding, oh my goodness, 
That yeah. book of Revelation is is not so far out as yes. we thought. The maybe. technology yeah. is completely caught up with the prophecy. All right. Phenomenal. All right. Well, guys, we've got another packed show tomorrow with Gary Ka. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. We'll see what's on the docket with Gary. And I just want to tease next week. We've got Scott and Vera Sharav. If you missed it, Vera is a Holocaust survivor. And Scott Shara, our amazing grace.net. Curtis Bowers on Tuesday. Whoa. Another Scott Lively, Pastor Scott Lively on Friday. And uh, we're going to do a news and worldview program, news and views next Friday. Guys, thank you for for your support and your prayers for us. I hope you're doing well and and hanging on to the Lord our God who is our stability Mm -hmm. in times like this. We need that kind of anchor. That hope is an anchor to our soul. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.